Welcome to Be With The Word. Be With The Word is our weekly show and podcast where mental health professionals look at the Sunday Mass readings through a psychological lens. It's a chance for us to really dive into the readings and understand them, not just from a spiritual perspective, but really from a psychological perspective. And we're going to encourage you that this is episode, this is episode 48, and it is titled Heads I Win, Tails You Lose, Escaping Traps. I'm going to encourage you to go over to Hear the Word and listen to the Sunday Mass readings where uh, Jody Garneau and I read them to you if you haven't already reviewed them on your own. That's a sister podcast. Hear the Word is a sister podcast to be with the Word. This is for the 29th Sunday in Ordinary Time on October 18th. So I am very pleased to invite Jody Garneau with me. Dr. Jerry is taking a well-earned vacation while during filming. And so I thought, who in the world would I like to uh, be my, uh, be, be my uh, guest on the show? And Jody was the first person uh, to come to mind. She is a, I'll give you a little bio here. Um, she's a registered clinical counselor living in Abbotsford, British Columbia, just outside of Vancouver. So in keeping with the grand tradition of having at least one Canadian on the show at all times, Jody is Jody fills that role. Uh, she has a bachelor's degree uh, from Thomas Aquinas College, and she homeschooled her four daughters all the way from kindergarten to 12th grade. And then she went back and got her master's degree from Divine, or from, uh, Divine Mercy University um, and and she spent the last and in, in, in counseling right so she's now a counselor for the last few years she spent the last 10 years teaching high school students online and consulting with homeschool moms so the homeschooling is near and dear to our heart so i met jody through the um through the uh the uh catholic internal family systems uh groups that we're doing and then she also got involved with uh my podcast the uh, coronavirus crisis carpe diem and then she got involved in the resilient catholics carpe diem community so we've, we've had all this synergy so welcome it is so good to have you jody it's great to be here it's it's just i'm just really glad that you decided to like say yes to the <laughs> <laughs> well it's a bit of a stretch but i figured <laughs> it is it's engaging so we'll, tr we'll try it yeah yeah so we have been looking at these readings for the 29th Sunday in Ordinary Time, and I'm just really curious about, like, what leapt out at you, Jody? What, from a psychological perspective in these readings, you know, what, as a counselor, as a mom, you know, as a teacher, what, what like, what grabbed right. your attention? Right. Well, it's, it's, you know, sometimes we hear them so often that this one, you know, kind of goes to politics or I think we think that automatically. But for me, it was really the tension of the, the position that our Lord was put in. You can feel that in the, in the moment there. So I reflect it just on how the tension between him being just this honest, genuine, you know, person and them trying to, trap him right so, and, and so just to set the that. scene just to set the scene a little bit we have the herodians yeah. right yeah. and they're the they're the 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 basically the the party that supports the the uh jewish puppet government right under herod antipas and then we mm -hmm. have uh the disciples of the pharisees we have the pharisees and they're challenging yeah. this is the whole scene where 
we're talking about the, is it lawful to pay the temple tax? Um, right. It's a setup, right? It's a they setup. say it. Exactly. It's a setup. It is a setup totally. from the beginning. Yeah. 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 So when I was, when you read it, you know, you think about the Caesar and the coin, right? Who's on the coin? And that's his clever answer, very insightful answer. Um, and I just thought he's able to bypass their trap by because he he approaches it differently right they figure he only has he can only answer a or b and and either one is going to get him in trouble right right if he answers it's it's you should pay the tax right then there is a sort of revolutionary anti-roman government faction that's just gonna like rebel against that and then if he says you don't pay the tax then the consequences is that he's an insurrectionist right he's causing insurrection he gets turned over to the to the to the Herodians and over to the Romans. So, mm-hmm. wow, wow. So, that's the trap, right? That's the trap, and that's that's what I was sort of picking up too. But I tend to go to the political, right? I tend to think about what do we owe Caesar, what do we owe our our mm-hmm. you know federal government, our state governments, our local governments, especially in this time with the coronavirus and mask mandates and blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. That's where my mind went. But you were taking it a whole different level. Yeah. Well, at first, I, I really thought. Um... As a mom, I was thinking of the, you know, he's asking whose whose image is on the coin. So if 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 Caesar's on the coin, then that's Caesar's. And then you flip it around, right? Where's God's image, right? As a mom, I think, well, that's me. I'm made in God's image. My kids are. So more in my life belongs to God than to well, in my case, it'd be the queen. What uh, for you guys? I guess it's <laughs> the president. Uh, whatever has presidents on it, you owe to the government. Whatever has the queen on it, I guess I owe to the government. But um, such an interesting challenge, right? If I was really to give God everything that belongs to Him, then very little's left for the state. But certainly, we have that obligation, right? We know right. from the Christ Passion that there is an obligation, and the political powers are actually given to them from from god right but right and he but they have limits well he obeyed he obeyed roman edicts from before he was born right because Mm -hmm. you know when he was in the womb when he was in our mother's womb the edict came down for the census right uh and so down he goes with mother mary and saint joseph arduous journey to go to bethlehem uh with no sort of dispensation for medical reasons or anything like that yeah but, right you know and and so there is an example of in his life of you know rendering unto caesar that which is caesar's acknowledges the authority of caesar to call a census which was um which was problematic in the scripture for the jews for example they weren't supposed to be doing that because often it was a, a prideful thing that a ruler would do um mm-hmm. and so there was some some i think it's in leviticus where there's uh, prohibitions against being in a census so there could be grounds for jews to resist it um mm-hmm. but he does it anyway right says okay that's yeah. that's the realm of caesar so there's a discernment with these things you know yeah. that we have to make yeah, but when I look at their question, I, I guess I see them, maybe this is a psychological lens, projecting their own tension, right? I mean, these Pharisees are in some collusion with the powers that be in order to practice their religion and and have the power that is permitted to them. So I think in some ways they're projecting their tension, this um, kind of double bind that they're in on to our Lord and seeing how he 
solves it, right? Well, and that's that's the interesting thing, right? He actually gives them the solution, even mm-hmm. though their intentionality is malicious, right? They're yeah. trying to trap him, trying to kill him. Well, I don't know if they're trying to kill him yet. It's pretty late in Matthew. They may be already. Like, it's it's implied, to, I think. Implied, that yeah. The trap is pretty. It's a high <laughs> high price to pay for the trap. Right. You know, but he's still actually loving them by showing, um, by showing them the answer right and reminding yeah. them of what their highest duty is right render unto god mm-hmm. that which is god's yeah mm-hmm. but, yeah because the, the psychological term would be trying to create this um dissonance in him that he can't be a person of integrity and cooperate with the government right, right. and i think a lot of times we feel that pressure how do i be a person of integrity and live with this and it's um but his solution is is in a way so brilliant right right Right. to bypass the the black and white thinking that and i think sometimes we think that way right we're like okay we'll give we'll give the government what we have to and we'll give our boss what you know what they're asking for maybe save saturday for ourselves and then sunday we'll give to god and um and that i think is part of the challenge right now right with we can't many of us aren't able to practice our faith the way we are used to. So it's forcing us outside the box, the tidy boxes we thought we had and looking at things differently. So how do I worship God? How do I engage with God? How do I live my faith right. in this time? Right. Brings it back to the whole relationality, right? So it's the, you know, and, and give to God with that, which is God's implies that relationship. Right. Yeah. And what does God want from us? Does he want, you know, 60 minutes on Sunday right. plus uh, 30 seconds before meals, you know, check the box, check the yeah. boxes, <laughs> or does he want us right um, in that relationship? That's the beautiful contrast of Paul's, um, the letter to, from Paul in this Sunday's readings, the about belonging. Mm-hmm. And that just speaks of such a, he seems to have such a paternal affection for the people that he's writing to right and about our belonging and our belonging and our identity in god versus the other relationship i see at, from a psychological lens of manipulation right. right and that type of coercive you know i mean it, it even used such such extreme words in there about trap right, right? like setting it up and right. uh hypocrites <laughs> um right Right, Our Lord doesn't spare it. any uh, condemnation of them. Well, it's interesting sure. because, you know, it's not the Pharisees themselves that went after Jesus and that they sent their disciples, right? It's actually mm-hmm. tricky. They didn't actually send, they didn't actually want to appear themselves. They sent their disciples, right? A little, even more underhanded and sneaky. Cowardice. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or, or deceptive, right? Like we're yeah. not Pharisees. We're, you know, we're, we're just Pharisee disciples. Um, Mm -hmm. But what struck me out of the second reading and the first reading was this word chosen, Mm. Um, you know, that that so Cyrus was chosen in the first reading to be the uh, his his anointed um, and to lead to lead the Israelites. That was in Isaiah 45. Mm -hmm. And then St. Paul talks about the Thessalonians as, you know, being being chosen. Right. The sense of um, the sense of of. yeah, chosen, how you were chosen, right? Yeah. Loved by God and chosen, right? And this is like not 
factoring in at all into what the Herodians are doing or what the disciples of the Pharisees are doing with our Lord, right? There was mm-hmm. very remote from the whole idea of being loved, being chosen. Right. Yeah, it's beautiful. I mean, I think that's where I saw the belonging part of like, right. you are, and it does, you know, my chosen one in the first reading. Right. And I give you a title and I'm your, I'm your God, right? This is right. not just a commanding relationship. This is a true relationship of belonging yep yeah yeah and so there's times where we feel trapped in our relationship with god like i can feel trapped sometimes when i feel like i'm not doing enough that's a really common trap that i get into like you need to do more i gotta do more right That, that goes back to some of my history some pelagian beliefs that i have deep in my bones about like what would earn the love of God. What could I do to make God choose me? Right. As opposed right. to, you know, starting with where God actually is and that he has desired to choose me, right. That he's, he's leading with that. It's not something that has to be sort of dangled in front of me that I run after, um, you know, that's already there. And, Good point. Yeah. And for me, I've really, I've, I've done that too, but also, I think I, I set God a trap like like these people do by my prayers are more like a, a hostage situation where, you know, if you're really God, you'll do this. <laughs> and then when he doesn't, I'm disappointed. Right. Like right. I, and then I, I had this experience the past week. I had done something or I had. Yeah, something had happened and I was worried about the outcome. So I was praying and I, I really love divine mercy, um, that devotion. So praying, Jesus, I trust in you. And I'm like, wow, my anxiety is not going down. I'm like, (laughs) still super stressed. And I'm like, okay, let it go. Just yeah. And I'm like, it's not working. And it it dawned on me the next morning when I prayed, I was not truly saying, Jesus, I trust in you. I was saying, Jesus, I trust you to get my outcome. (laughs) And what I really had to do was I trust you, even if the outcome is not what I want it. Like, even if the outcome is the opposite of what I thought I needed. And then I just felt such peace. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And, you know, you think you learn the lesson. But (laughs) (laughs) it just has to happen again and again that you just are brought to that place where it's like, yep, I let it go. I trust you. And, you know, that does probably goes back to some of the stuff you talk in the Carpe Diem thing about our self-image and our image of God and can we really trust him if I let go of this outcome? Uh, Yeah, it's a hard one. It's a hard one. Right. So, yeah. I mean, when we entrust God with our agendas, (laughs) say this is what you need to do. We really are like playing God, right? We really are like, I call that the God in my pocket phenomenon, you know, where we want to, we just want to have God. Yes. I perfected the pestering old woman (laughs) of the New Testament, that character. I'm very good at that one. Figure if I pester him long enough, he'll just give in, right? Give give me, give me what, what I think I, what I think I need. And that goes back to that, that whole theme of providence, right? That whatever happens, Romans 8, 28, right? All things work together for good for those who love the Lord. It's, it's so hard to hold on to though. It's so hard to hold on to Jody sometimes. And it's not it like if you become a mental health professional, you get a degree and you get a license. <laughs> you get released from get, traps. Yeah, it's like, woo, you know. No, we just get fancy names for them. So, 
when we ca catch our thinking errors. So yeah, like that black and white thinking. And I mean, for me, that's been the areas of greatest spiritual growth when I let go of it and say, and let God be God because he's bigger. Just like in this question, Jesus doesn't pick A or B. It's not black or white. He transcends the question. And with my prayers, when I give him room to work, he transcends my request. And that for me has been, I have to release and trust him, but I have, but then on the other side, he catches it, right? He catches me, he catches my desire. And that's so profound for me. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's just, but it's hard because you go back to trying to dictate to him our requests and it's, it's tough to dig in and really identify your desire more than the demand. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you look at Caesar, right? So at this time, it, the, the Tiberius Caesar was, was, you know, the emperor or the head of Rome. And on the front of that denarius, there was his, his, his image and profile. So this is the coin that the, yeah. that the, uh, that the uh, disciples of the Pharisees and the, and the Herodians were, 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 you know, talking about. And it says, so it says Tiberius Caesar, son of the divine Augustus. Well, is that what it says? That's what yeah. it says on the front of the coin. Yeah. And, it, and it's interesting because basically Caesar has identified himself as the son of God, mm. right? And so here, you know, here we have the actual son of God, you know, and then we have Caesar, you know, claiming to be a son of the son of God, right, or the son of at least a God, because in those days, the uh, the emperors claimed divinity, right? They mm -hmm. they claimed divinity, um, and so the contrast there was just so so interesting. I mean, longtime viewers of Be with the Word or people on the podcast know that I love to get into details around money, um, and so I love to know like, look, what's actually on the coin, right? And I just yeah. that was like, whoa, that was like, and then on the back of that coin. There's an image of the goddess of peace, Pax, right? And it says, um, and it basically says that Tiberius Caesar is the high priest, right? So here you have Tiberius Caesar usurping the role of son of God and usurping the role of high priest, both of which belong properly to our Lord. Yeah. So yeah. the irony of all of that, you know, is just like amazing to me. Yeah, that is, it's so packed. But that's for me, like with the idea of the icon, you know, the or the image of God, God's image isn't, isn't impressed in the coin like that, right? It's right. in us, it's in right. creation. And it's, um, that's why I really identified with C.S. Lewis talking about God as the great iconoclast. Like uh, he loves uh, to smash, smash the images we make of him. So when I say, you know, he's the God in my pocket or he's, he's the God that's just going to give me what I ask for, you know, yep. if I pester him long enough, um, he'll smash that image. And yep. if I hold, the tighter I hold on to it, the more he's quite, for my sake, it's for my sake. It's not, you know, it's not to harm me, but to help me to help smash He loves that you image. enough to not give you right. what you, what you want or to not give me what I want. Yeah. Because that would not lead us closer to him. That's right. And it resonated with me when some, when I think it was C.S. Lewis said, um, a God that you can understand, like just, you know, <laughs> predict is not God at all, right? That's a construct of my mind. And so, yeah, we can be trapped, I think, spiritually thinking like, um, 
you know, disappointed in God. And I think he can hear us. He is willing to hear our disappointments, but um, sometimes it's because we've made him so small. Right. Yeah, we've and we've made, made, we've made the arena in, in small. Our, we've made God in our image and likeness, right? Yes, yeah, yeah true. <laughs> true, which is really dangerous. We really need you. I really need you, God, to be my high priest, you know, and to do these things for me, you <laughs> That's know, right. as opposed to, yeah, yeah. Well, and we all want that peace, right? You were talking about that anxiety. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting what who Caesar chose to be on that coin. Who Caesar? Who Caesar? Tiberius Caesar, yeah, the goddess of peace, right? It makes me wonder if that's what he was seeking, right? Because that's so universal that we would mm-hmm. want that sense of peace in our souls. And how we think we're going to get there is often so at odds with what the truth is. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. I would th- say for them too, probably political leaders, having peace was a sign of strength, right? That right. you were able to secure peace for your people, peace for your land. And yeah. So, you know, and, um, and, and that would be th- for the Roman empire, right? Uh, through strength, right? Through power, you would, mm-hmm. you would achieve that peace by right. domination, fear, right? Yeah, domination really. and subjugation. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, for the Christian to have that sense of peace doesn't come from domination and subjugation. I think spiritually yeah. I've tried that. I've tried, you know, dominating myself, right? Yeah. Not subjugating, you know, myself. And, yeah. you know, there's some, there's some, there's some times where we really do have to resist the impulses that come up within us and so forth. So I'm not saying that yeah. we just let everything go all the time. But sometimes those, um, sometimes those messages are like, really important to listen to like maybe i'm not paying attention to something that's going on within me that i really need to attend to you know Mm -hmm. um so right sometimes well the lack of peace is sometimes a good thing it tells us maybe you know it's our conscience speaking or or we're not doing something that's right but sometimes it's a sign that maybe we need to let go of something that we've grown out of or we really have come to realize is a toxic situation and yeah. And that's why I was with this one from the psychological lens, just looking at the manipulation, like we often talk about double binds where someone's, you know, kind of in, if he had picked A or B, he would have been in trouble. So right. it put him in a position where there was no winning option on the table. Um, and if, and some people are in relationships like that, right? Like that's, uh, and if it happens a lot, either from your parents or from your partner or somebody in your life, that's important to you, then you you are constantly living in this uh, dissonance, right? Where you just can't be at peace. And eventually um, I see clients where they just turn that off because they can't live in that conflict all the time, right? So sometimes we've learned to just stop paying attention to that trap. The the trapped feeling is too much. Oh, sort of like just disconnect from it. Yeah, especially whatever comes up, right? Whether it's um, a feeling of hopelessness or the anxiety that might be at the beginning of it, you can't, you can't live with it all the time. So whether it's turning off attention to your body or attention to these warning signs, you can't, if you want to stay where you're at in the trap so much, you, you have to turn on, turn it off, or you'd be in such, you know, distress all the time. So what, what, what do you recommend Jody for like the, 
how do you how do you like think about this as a clinician right mm -hmm. with clients that feel trapped like for example um you know i'm in a an abusive i know that you've worked with some domestic abuse survivors yeah. right so um you know i'm in a terrible relationship it is abusive uh emotionally abusive physically abusive but um i can't uh i can't leave right i can't leave because of reason x reason y reason mm -hmm. z some moral reasons spiritual reasons maybe really practical reasons financial reasons you know da, yeah. da, da, da. but i can't i can't stay and i can't leave you know what's the right. what's the if you're in a situation like that how do you how can you break those paradigms so it's not a or b right well i think i mean in a way our lord's answer is kind of a sign right to right. look for the principle look for the what's true and I mean, I think any foothold in truth that you can find when you're in those very chaotic situations where that dissonance is constantly being brought to you, then if you can find it, just some truth to get a foothold, that helps. Like, and truth about yourself, your dignity, and just truth about what's real and what's not real. Because a lot of it, um, you know, the popular term in domestic violence is gaslighting, right? Right, right. Trying to make you question everything about what you heard what you saw what you're experiencing so how do you so how do you know if you've got a foothold in the truth how do you know mm -hmm. if, you've, if you've if you've gripped on to something that is indeed true when there may be this gaslighting going on right maybe when yeah, the, the power of the dynamics of the relationship seems to overwhelm the ability to think clearly or to see more objectively like how do you how do you sense how do you how do you help your clients that are in these situations sense that that mm -hmm. truth? That's a good question. I mean, a lot of it does come from talking with a reliable person, whether it's a, a counselor or a good friend who can actually hear you. Because sometimes when you say it out loud, you you catch the dissonance then, and you're like, "That's yeah, that's not matching up, right? That's not really what's happening here." And um, try to get people to get a bit of space there, a bit of distance to look at it. I, I find, I mean, it's, it's kind of sad, but this works very well to have women look at the situation and ask them, what would you say to a niece or your daughter or somebody in that same situation? Right. And they have such clarity then. <laughs> and it's sad because that just tells me like, we don't have that care and concern for ourselves that so. people have for the ones they love, right? They have such clarity when they put it at a distance and look at it. Yeah, especially when they're talking about somebody specific, like my niece, Anne. You know, if yeah. Anne were in that situation with her. With I'd her tell partner, her to get out right now. <laughs> they, they are so clear. And I just go, wow, you, did you hear yourself? Like, yeah, and just let them hear themselves. And it, But you're right. I mean, I think there are so many the, the trap comes from all the beliefs about I can't, it won't work, um, right? It's not going to be better. Y you believe what you've got and you make the most of what you've got, right? Um, and healthy relationships. I mean, we all, we're built for a relationship. So healthy relationships just help us um, start to have a bit more confidence in what's true and our, about ourselves and about, about people.
So you're saying we really need a second set of eyes on this situation, like to the, like to just go it alone is like mm-hmm. is is dangerous, right? To just try to figure it out on your own if you're in one of these yeah. high demand situations, you know, it's yeah. it's the second set of eyes. And then the other thing I was hearing you say was put it into words, right? Actually, you know, talk about it, put these things into words because there's a, a a way that we can engage the intellect and the will when we can put things into words, when we can symbolize things into words. Sure. And the third thing was, um, I, I forgot the third thing. There was a third thing that I was thinking of, but um, I can't remember. Well, I think another another thing is new perspective, which is kind of what right. the way Christ answers this. Um, like, for instance, during the lockdowns, now um, some of my clients who grew up in very abusive situations as children were triggered with or that maybe they came out of domestic violence where their right. lives were very contained and restricted, were triggered by that right. to feel the same. And, um, you know, we just had to talk through it. It's like, yeah, it feels the same, but it's different. Right. You know, right. you and your kids are staying safe right now because, because you can, and because you love, you know, you love each other and there's a freedom in this. So it's, it's interesting to see like you can do the same thing, but respond differently interiorly. Right. Like I can, I can, be contained and, and, you know, limit my interactions out of a certain freedom. Whereas these people came from situations where they were doing it out of a coercive control. Right. Right. Well, that makes so much, that makes so much sense to me. That makes so much sense to me. Oh, the other thing I was saying is, yeah. If the, yeah. The, and then to put it, the third thing was to put it in the frame it in terms of another person, right? Like what would you recommend? You yeah, do? that's, right, that and makes, I think that gives us the distance we need. Right, we we often sense. need distance because we are so convinced and that's the black and white thinking, right? That this is the only way it can be. Right. And the distance gives us a chance to see things a little more objectively. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah, but there is also the learned helplessness. And I think that was probably the Jews problem, right? No sense trying. It's not going to go anywhere. And that, um, like studies have shown, you know, they they do these like tests with uh, with kids, right? Where none of the answers on the multiple choice are right. And after a while, when they find that out, they're like, well, I'm not even going to try. Like they just literally stop trying. Um, and I think sometimes we're in that trap, right? I know, I I realize I can't stay here, but I can't leave. I just learned it's not, I can't do it. And how do you get back a bit of hope? And I do think that comes from maybe talking to someone else who you can borrow hope from a friend. You can borrow hope from, you know, your spiritual life. If you can get to that point. I think a lot of this has to do with being open and the faculty of imagination and thinking yeah. maybe there are things maybe yeah. that I don't see here. Maybe yeah. there are answers that I um, I'm not aware of, especially when I'm really distressed. Especially when my absolutely you know, when, my, when I'm all autonomically or you know kind of over overactivated, um, sure. because that really does have a negative effect on our capacity for creative idea idea generation problem solving and it can really uh, impact our receptivity right to be able to take things in from outside sources we wind up like you know under siege you know like trying to just make protective mode yeah Yeah. yeah. the defenses are up yeah Yeah. and sometimes then we can't even see help when it's coming because we're we're defended yeah 
I mean, that's the striking thing here is that there was a, there's a little catechetical, you know, and uh, outreach here that Jesus is giving to the Herodians and to the, and to the, uh, and to the disciples of the Pharisees. Like he's actually trying to teach them, um, you know, it's not clear like what their response was to all of that. Um, but I bet you they were disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> they were hoping yeah. for, I think they were like, you know, looking for blood, right? right. Yeah. Uh, he didn't deliver. So, right. but it's um, almost like a wily coyote type of response, like yeah. foiled again. <laughs> I guess it's interesting that it's Matthew's gospel, the tax collector, right. Writing about the conundrum of taxes. <laughs> I didn't thought about that. That's really that's that's really interesting, right? Because he was intimately bound up. <laughs> I bet you the... he had a a cognitive dissonance of right. collecting from his own people and uh... well, and being allied with the Herodians, right? Yeah, because that's that's right through the Roman and Jews. asking, "Am I is this dirty money? Is right. this at the yeah. cost of my people?" Yeah. Well, that goes back to the theme of chosen, right? Yeah. Um, was it Caravaggio? I think it was Caravaggio. Oh yeah, right? I love the, that painting. The, the painting of of the calling of Saint Matthew, right? You know, and how clearly chosen, especially with the light right on Saint yeah. Matthew. There's other figures, you know, but but Matthew, the tax collector, sitting at the table with the money, you know, our Lord is like chosen, boom, right there. Yeah, you know? and he leaves it, and he goes right? right. That willingness to go. That's right. And so the question, I like what you said before. You were talking about what 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 are we holding on to? Right. What are we clinging to? And it might be something even good. It might be like a crutch. Like when you're when you have a broken leg, it's great to have a crutch, right? Yeah. Um, uh, but once that's healed, uh, that crutch can get in the way of you. You know, if you insist on still keeping the crutch, it can keep you back yeah. on what you need to be doing now. So is there something that's even good that um, that we might have to give up in order to be free enough? to yeah. enter into that depth of relationship with our Lord. This goes all back to trust issues too. I mean, it's, it it's ultimately about these trust issues. Um, and it always brings me back to Our Lady and her response, like the fiat, right? I just claim that word is so powerful for me. Like, let it be done. Mm-hmm. And that has no strings attached. Right. She doesn't say like, let it be done as long as it's not uncomfortable, as long as there's no <laughs> scandal, you know, just fiat. <laughs> Yeah. And I think we can we can turn to that as a model. Like just let me say a genuine fiat. But it's not an un, un it's not an unintelligent one. I mean, she was able to ask the questions that she yes, needed to true. ask. You know, and so here she is, right? Humble, mild, but also challenging archangels. You know, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, to explain themselves yeah. and like certain yeah. things that she needed to do to do it knowingly. Right. Like at least knowing enough. She didn't know right. in that moment about the flight to Egypt. She didn't know, you know, no. about all the things that were going to that that were going to be, you know, her the sword sorrow. that would pierce right. her heart. Right. Yeah. Her sorrows. But, but there was this this trust and this sense of peace and joy, you know. Um, so and that is the leap of faith, though. Right. right. Is to say, I will trust you without me putting the conditions on it. Right. 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 Yeah. Sometimes it's easier to stay because we're just afraid of change. Yep. Yep. And I, I do think, and I, I have challenged my clients in this time, like this uh, lockdown is hard, but in what ways is it good? Right. You know? How is it like a good? Because bl- yeah. upending our lives as we had them, maybe they weren't all that we thought they were. Maybe our, 
Sunday, checking the box on Sunday wasn't enough, right? So how do I live my faith? How do I evangelize, right? How do I evangelize when I'm not out doing all the things I associate with it? How do I redefine myself um, in a broader sense? Yeah, that's a challenge. So what would you like... Uh, you know, all of our listeners, all of our viewers to sort of take away, like what, if there was, if you summed it up in one line, what, what, what's the, what's the main takeaway you would like for them based off of, you know. Oh boy. One takeaway. Um, Yeah. I just think that we need to be attuned to these feelings of futility and that, and not to be afraid of them, but like see them as an opportunity to invite God into that. And, and how can we be open to something unexpected? Like, I really think he is the God of the unexpected, right? Yeah. What can he, how can he take this brokenness or this futility, the stuck feeling so trapped, like, you know? So you can actually offer the dilemmas to him. Absolutely. I think a lot of us, you know, that's the semi-Pelagian in us, want it all straightened out before we take it to God. Like, I have clients that do that. They'll skip a session. They're like, I was just too messed up to talk to you. I'm like, "Um, that's the point. That's why you count to me. Just lay it down and let's, let's just you know, be together in that mess. Cause that's, and that's what God keeps saying. Like, just put it down, lay it down. Tell me what's going on. And you don't have to have it straightened out. That's the whole point. He would love to help straighten it out. So you said notice that feeling when mm-hmm. you're trapped, when you're when you when you have the sense of being trapped. Tell me a little yep. more about like how how do you give me some practical pointers about what you do with your clients or with other people around or yourself sure. with noticing yeah. those feelings. Of, because it's almost like a like a dash light that comes up, like uh, that yeah. it's like a warning sign, like a your like your engine. check engine light. Yeah. yeah. I used to have a van that I ignored the check engine light on and my friends would freak out, but it's like, no, it really means nothing. And, and I think a lot of us have gotten to that point where it's like, uh, you know, we ignore the anxiety, the feelings in our body of either, you know, um, tension or uh, the butterflies or the headaches and, um, or this feeling of just literally being stuck. Like my clients will say they feel like their throat is, is being closed or they're, body is being held in a vice Um, they use really strong language about being stuck and they learn to tune that out for them that's normal and it it isn't meant to be like that isn't how we're meant to go through life so if we keep ignoring it we've eventually we're missing all those signs right Uh, I suppose it's scary to tap into it so but I do encourage people to become more aware of the bodily response to the the feeling of trapped and then take that to our Lord, like take that to prayer, take that to a friend, um, just name it. I mean, if you, if you have a sense that you really need to address some of this stuff in therapy, take it to a therapist, right? I mean, yep. there's a lot of, there's a lot of good that can come from that too. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I, you know, it's also the kinds of things that we work on in the uh, Resilient Catholics Carpe Diem community. Yeah. That's, 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 you know, there's been some exercises that have come up, you know, that we've done there. Um, sure. That's, that's the community that's built up around the podcast I do separately, which is the Coronavirus Crisis Carpe Diem 
podcast. And it's all about, you know, trust, how we grow in trust. How do we grow in relationship? How do we overcome the psychological obstacles Mm -hmm. to being in relationship with our Lord? These things that we learned from early experiences or later experiences that just come up and, and they're not, they're not actually spiritual primarily, they're psychological. And those are the things that often get neglected that don't get addressed by um, by confessors or in homilies or in spiritual absolutely there's so much material there to help us grow right? Right, right i always i think a lot of people want to live a life without triggers but i keep saying to my clients triggers are teachers right exactly so just listen to what it's telling you and don't run from it like or ignore the stop the engine check light right yeah, the check engine light yeah um, no that's i think that's i think that's great so people are welcome we're gonna actually the community is still open to new members until november 3rd at which point i'm going to shut it down for for several weeks to be able to do some reorganization and to kind of get things uh, uh you know a uh, little more uh systematic and programmatic there but it is a wonderful place for folks that want to work on these things with like-minded you know like-minded catholics that really want to ground their spiritual lives in a solid psychological foundation so it's all about mm-hmm. the kinds of things we we're talking about today that's right um, where there's belonging and not manipulation that's right that's right we're <laughs> really we're really about yeah. that we're not into we're not into um we're not into political discussion contentious things contentious yeah stuff, which you know there's a lot of that in online right now with the yeah. church you know and and so forth a lot of backbiting um and mm-hmm. we're really working on being one together and it's just great that you're that you're there really appreciate you being there jody as uh, as, a, as a member um the other thing is if you happen to be in the trap of a pornography uh mm-hmm. dr jerry has this course called be true and it's all about what to do if uh, porn use is discovered in the marriage and it's the only course out there that's designed for both the husband and the wife together um and there's exercises for both he's an expert in that field he does a wonderful job with that and here's what i'm going to say too is let's say that your spouse won't do it with you do it yourself anyway because there's going to be a whole lot of perspective you're going to get uh from the other side because of the way he sets that up so don't let that hold you back don't say well my husband won't do it with me he's too ashamed good point that's another trap right yeah it's another trap right i can't do it because i can't do it because he's not on board yet you know this that you know what that reminds me of is I've read that the suicide rate for women is the highest in the state of Utah. Really? It's highest in the state of Utah. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's some, some belief that it has to do with the uh, requirement in the Church of Latter-day Saints, often called the Mormons, that if the, if the husband doesn't get to heaven, there's no way that the wife can. In other words, oh, wow. the, 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 the wife has to go to heaven through the husband right and if he fails in in his in his spiritual life then she's just out of luck so there's some belief that that's what drives a lot of the helpless the trap right the trap trap. of of saying no this is like there's nothing i can do because my husband is you know is uh is unfaithful to the teachings of the Mm. of the church of the latter-day saints so what a desperate place to be it's a desperate place to be and that's that's what that's what all i think a lot of of uh what we call psychopathology a lot of internal tension struggle disorder has to do with the sense of being trapped in one way or another so yeah 
Well, good. Well, this has been great. I uh, really appreciate you uh, coming on here, Jody, and and uh, and sharing with us. This is uh, this has been a great episode. I've really enjoyed this. It's oh, good. Yeah, pleasure. I enjoyed it too. Probably yeah. went where people weren't expecting for the coin, the coin <laughs> story, but that's fine. So we'll definitely have to have you on again, and and so happy that you're involved with uh, with Souls and Hearts as well. So. Um, so is there anything else that we didn't cover? Any last words that we should share with our um, anything you want to uh, Just with? one last thing. Like if people are really feeling stuck, I just encourage you to do an opposite an opposite action. Mm-hmm. So if it's, you know, if you need to do one thing for yourself, you've never had it done or just any little thing will actually tip the scales, right? So don't feel that you're trapped. And and definitely, like you said, Peter, if you need help, reach out. There are right. Catholic counselors out there. There's there's good secular counselors. Right. But Take um, that first step. And if you're thinking about that, yeah. Souls and Hearts has a free course called The Catholic's Guide to Choosing a Therapist. Absolutely free. It's, yeah. uh, it's about Great 90 idea. minutes long. There's all kinds of exercises. It takes you tiny step by tiny step because that's what you were saying, right? Mm-hmm. It's just you take a tiny Just a little step. one. I that know it feels hard, first, but if you're it stuck, could be, yeah. Yeah, do your stuff. That may be your first step, right? The first yeah. step is to just watch the first module of that course. That could be your first step. Right. Yeah. Or joining the artists, the Resilient Catholics community. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. There that's you one go. little step that might just change the the dynamic a little enough to right. for you to start to see a way right exactly. yeah okay. well thank you again and we're gonna gonna we're gonna um close here and say be still believe be loved, be loved. take good care god bless you all bye, bye.